Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Many Happy Miles, a podcast that celebrates all types of forward movement, whether it's an 8x800 workout on the track, a family hike, or a sun salutation in yoga, we're here to say yay to all of it and bring on guests to inspire you to move with joy. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. And I'm Sarah Wassner Flynn, and I'm saying yay to getting in some great marathon training, Dimity. Things have been going well. I'm really happy about it. That is really cool, especially because we were just coming off an episode about how to like survive the summer heat. So are you, dare I say, thriving in the summer heat, SWF? Well, yeah, yeah. Let's say I'm thriving. It really hasn't been that hot. I'll put it out there. Um, I think we've had lots of breaks in the heat. There's been some storms that lowered the temperature and the humidity. So things have been going well. Happened to do like a long run last Thursday, which was kind of an odd day to do a long run, but it worked well with my training partners. And we just had like a really great morning. It was like low 70s. I don't know. It was just not summer weather at all. And we did a 16 mile run from where we live to DC, which was like a bucket list for all of us. Oh, Never so fun. All the way to the White House. So Did that you really? really cool. mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And waved, waved hi to Joe and then came back? Yeah, I don't <laughs> think he was there that day. My friend works for the Department of Homeland Security. So his office is like right behind the White House. So we, we actually dropped him off at his office and he made it to his 10 o'clock staff meeting. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. That is, that is, did he, did he carry his clothes on his back or did he already have them? It was the a office? whole thing. Like he planned that, you know, we, we planned it out a few days before so he could drop clothes off. Um, he doesn't work at the office every day, but he dropped clothes off and, um, he was able to, I think shower. <laughs> I, I know. So I was just going to ask if they have showers <laughs> yeah. at the Department of Homeland Security. They do have a, small gym and shower. And he said, I think, I don't know, he was debating whether he could shower or not. Uh, it was funny because at one point I was like, just go take an Uber. Like, I don't want to be stressed. I don't want you to stress because we were still like five miles out. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't want to run fast just for the sake of him getting to his meeting. I was like, yeah, let's not go crazy here. And he's like, no, yeah. it's okay. If I'm a little bit late, it's no big deal. Half the people are on zoom. So it all worked out and it was a good adventure for us. And we're going to try to do it again. There's a couple other ways to get into DC, but we, that was a good starting point. We're 16 and we've got to build from there, but yeah. Yeah, wow. Good, I, as I mentioned, I like my destination run. So that was a really good destination run. That's super cool. So how did you get home? Did you take an Uber home or? We took a Metro. So it was three of us and it's Noel who listens to the podcast. So give him a shout out. He and I took the Metro back and he's a doctor and that was his day off. So we were kind of loosey goosey that day as far as the two of us with more flexible schedules. So we were able to grab something to eat and then head back and then go into mom mode after that. And I was like surprisingly fine after 16 miles, which last year I wasn't. I think I was pretty exhausted after my first longer runs. And now I'm like, okay, I think there's something to be said about doing multiple marathons and the training definitely gets easier the more you get used to it. 
That's super cool. I love that you did that. And I love that you're sharing that because I feel like, you know, I, I do think that we kind of approach, especially like long workouts. I know that I always kind of approach them with dread, mm-hmm. you know, just because you're just like, I'm going to be out there so long and, you know, the energy and you want to worry about what's going to go wrong or whatever. And the fact that you guys just like nailed that is just like, put that out in the universe. You can nail it too. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it was great. And yeah, like I mentioned in our podcast last week, you know, we did stop. We had few places along the way where there were some bathrooms, which was key, and uh, goo breaks and not really long breaks because, you know, Matt had this timeline of getting to his meeting, but yeah. it was it wasn't intense at all. And that's the way I like it. And that's where I, I hope to run with joy at Marine Corps Marathon. I don't really love the intensity of the long run, but if it can be social and chatty and more of a, you know, in, like just a fun thing, then, then you don't approach it with dread. You know, it's going to be a good time if you like your training partners. You know, you got to have lots of Topics of conversation along the way. I know. Way. I was just going to ask you, like, do you guys chat the whole way? We do. I There's yeah. going to be a time where we're going to have to drop down to more closer to marathon pace. But the one guy, Matt, is is just a talker. And so he okay. can, like, talk, talk, talk. I'm not always one to talk, but I like to chime in. And there's yeah. times where I'm just like, I don't feel like talking. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he kind of carries the load. But we do tend to talk a lot. And you know, that's because we're running at a, a somewhat of an easier pace, but then we'll have intense workouts throughout the week where obviously you're not talking. You're just like, you know, can hardly breathe. But the long run, I like to keep at like the speed of chat, as I call it. That's great. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yay. Good job. Keep it yeah. going, sister. Thank you. <laughs> so Dimity, you of all people I know spend the most time on trail. So what's the coolest or scariest wildlife encounter you've had? Oh, geez. Well, it's probably not mine. It's probably my son, Ben, who many listeners know this story, but Ben was camping in Moab with um, like an organized camp, a YMCA camp that was like an adventure camp and ended up getting bitten by a bear, Um, not attacked or mauled by a bear, as he he likes to say, Um, but he was just camping by a river early in the morning. And he and his friends, it was literally the last night of them being out in the on their adventure camp and they didn't want to put up a tent. So 530 in the morning, they're lying by a river and this teenage bear, black bear comes walking through and he's on the end. And I'm sure he just smelled like a delicious nugget. Like she had no (laughs) idea what he was. Yeah. So he ended up getting his face kind of bitten up. And uh, the good news is, is, I mean, this happened in 2019. And so it's far in our rearview mirror and he has a great story. And the good news is he did get Quite, quite a few bites. I mean, I'm not going to mm. lie, but nothing happened, like his, nothing to his hearing or his vision or his nose or his, you know, carotid artery or anything like yeah, that. It was all so scary, though. It was so close it was to pretty all those scary. things. Yes, it was. It was. So that's my, and then as far as other stuff, I mean, I've seen, you know, snakes and deer and moose, but nothing, nothing like that story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and when you mentioned that, to, when you're talking about, this podcast, I went and read your blog, which was so well written, and I felt for you so much. Like just reliving all that moment as and of terror as a mom, and we have to put that. Well, I'll definitely put it in the show notes. But you wrote so well and so oh, thanks. as you always do about that experience. But oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. It was it was scary. I'm not gonna lie. It was definitely scary. But once I saw him in the hospital, we met in Grand Junction, which is 
kind of not quite in between, but that's what he came from Moab. I came from Denver. And once I saw him, like I knew everything was going to be okay, but it's that mm-hmm. unknowing, you know, and you're like mm-hmm. bear and blah, you know, and this and that. And so, yeah, but it was, it was scary. And now he, he melts it for all it's worth. Like <laughs> such a good story I mean, to tell. I mean, seriously, it is a good story any icebreaker, you can go, well, have exactly. you ever been bit by a bear? I have. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. He usually throws it out first. He's like, so have you ever been bit by a bear? And like, <laughs> you know, Ben, what do you think the answer is that to that going to be? But what about you? Have you had wildlife encounters during a race or a run, Sarah? It, well, I thought about this. I have seen a bear from afar in Wyoming, and it was nothing like what Ben experienced. It was very far away. The only thing that was like a near miss was, um, and I have a photographic evidence to prove this, my friend and I were in a race, a local race in the trail. You know, I'm in a very uh, suburban area, it's, uh, but we're surrounded by a lot of woods and Rock Creek Trail around DC has lots of wildlife. So there's a lot of deer. And it was the end of a 5k and we're just chatting. It was a very casual race. And, um, <laughs> we didn't realize it, but someone was like, Oh my gosh. And we turned around and we saw this huge buck, like, you know, whatever point, you know, big, big antlers and everything. And, uh, the race photographer happened to be right there and he captured the buck, like crossing right behind us. And I think if we had been there like 20 seconds, even 10 seconds earlier, he definitely would have charged right into us. So oh my gosh. you can see like oh the gosh. shock on our faces. I was going to post the pictures too. Uh, on the blog and on the show notes, because like, you can see that we're just like, what just happened? And it's, but the very, it was very courteous buck. He happened to find a space between runners. So it was Julie and I, and then there was a little gap and then there was somebody behind the, by behind us. So he kind of crossed right in between as though he knew what he, what he was doing. He's like, but, yeah, this isn't my first rodeo. This right. My right. First like 5K. get these people out of my way, you know? <laughs> so that's it, you know, but that that fortunately I haven't had any any other any scary moments like other than just seeing things that have been a little you know and around here you don't see bear as as much I mean there have been bear spottings but we haven't seen any my I haven't seen any myself yeah so whether you routinely cross paths with deer like Sarah does maybe wearing a bib <laughs> or sometimes sees bears from a distance you can never be too prepared for run-ins with wildlife. And especially because this summer, there have been some kind of scary moments for runners and hikers in various parts of the country. Yeah, right. So just in the past few weeks, there have been two bear attacks have made the news. One in Pisgah National Forest near Asheville, North Carolina, where a runner was clawed by a mama bear, but survived, thankfully. And then there was the tragic story of 48-year-old Amy Adamson of Derby, Kansas, who was killed by a grizzly bear in late July as she was out on the popular buttermilk trail in Yellowstone National Park. It's not just bears that are making some news. In June, there were two instances of runners injured, and Banjo wants to talk about it, if you can hear him in the background. (laughs) He's talking about animals. He's like, my turn. (laughs) Exactly. In June, there were two instances of runners injured by aggressive cattle. That was so interesting. While on a trail near Superior, Colorado, and a similar incident occurred in April in Farmington, Maine, when a runner was injured, when she was ambushed by a cow. I just, I kind of can't picture that, but um, it sounds scary. (laughs) The cow had reportedly escaped from a nearby farm. According to a report, she suffered lacerations requiring stitches. So it was not a happy cow. Yeah. And there's been other recent stories about runners being attacked by a cougar, moose, a buzzard, a hawk. In Australia, there's dingoes. In my area, Dimity, there have been a few instances of owls dive bombing runners on the trails in and around D.C. And experts say that the birds may mistake swinging ponytails for prey, which kind of 
makes me a little bit paranoid. And <laughs> it's not like I definitely put have a that, ponytail. Yeah. Put it in a bun, put it under right, a hat. Wear yeah. a hat. And we'll get to this later in the episode, but when we crowdsourced for stories from our AMR community, there were so many who of you who responded with, you know, well, wild encounters with animals. Yeah. So obviously the last thing we want to do is to scare anyone or deter you from trail running, hiking, or even running outside. You know, obviously these things are very rare and the cliche is true. Animals are typically more scared of you than you are of them, but arming yourself with knowledge on what to do if you say spot a snake can be so empowering. So to help empower us all, we've brought on Sarah Daniels, a mom of two from Snowmass Village, Colorado. Sarah has a background as an environmental consultant. She's a 15-time marathoner who recently qualified for the Boston Marathon, and she's also an accomplished trail runner. Among her feats include running the Grand Traverse, which goes between Crested Butte to Aspen, Colorado, covering over 40 miles of trail. And since Sarah spends an abundance of her time, like Dimity, on the trails, she's got plenty of tales to tell from the from creatures big and small that she's bumped into. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So excited to hear about it. So Sarah, you are from Colorado. How long have you lived here? Are you a native or? <laughs> no, I'm not a native. We are transplants from California, pandemic transplants. So we moved in 2020 um, and we have been in Colorado for three years now. I grew up originally on the East Coast and uh, logged a lot of road miles there. And then we lived in California and we lived near Seattle for a while. And now Colorado is our home and absolutely love it. Do you love it? Good, good. And what just uh, background on your running um, a little bit? Did you start running as an adult? Did you run on a team in high school? Like what got you started running? Well, I was like, I was a avid athlete in high school. I did three varsity sports and everything. Never did track, never did cross country. And then I got to college and I went to like a division one college and I wasn't good enough at any sports to like compete at the collegiate level, but I wanted to stay in shape. So I started running and then my now husband, then boyfriend, during his senior year was like, we should run a marathon. And I thought, oh, sure, why not? So we ran a marathon in 1997, which is, <laughs> which was a rare occurrence back then. Yeah. Um, and, and at the end, he was like, never again. And I was like, oh, I want to do this more. <laughs> <laughs> I like that it was his idea. And then he was like, one and done. And you're like, nope, this is a lifelong thing for me. Yes. Now, yeah. I mean, he has gone on to run other marathons and ultras and everything. He's a big athlete, but he definitely was, he has never run another road marathon again. So yeah, but I, I was hooked and I have been running ever since. Yeah. Nice. Great. So, experience. Yeah. So you do spend a lot of time trail running and we were talking before this, you spotted a lot of wildlife on your various ultra runs and hikes. So tell us some about some of the animals you've run into in Colorado and beyond. Oh, yeah. Well, we definitely run into a lot of wildlife in Colorado and beyond. And I have never had a bear encounter like like your son's, Dimity. That is yeah. a very scary bear encounter. Yes. But we see bears all the time on the trails uh, where I live. There's like a area of snowmass that's called Bear Alley. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. During the fall, they, there's a lot of service berry, which is what the bears like to eat. And so they come down in this one area and there just are a lot of bears. 
So I would say like during the fall, you see when you're out running trails and it can be like paved bike trails or the uh, dirt trails around us, you see bears all the time. We have a bear that lives like up the hill from where we live and we affectionately called it chocolate pants cinnamon bear because it was sort of like a light brownish bear with dark legs so it was a bear that we saw like pretty frequently when they're when you're out like we have a lot of mountain biking trails around us too so out mountain biking or running or hiking uh yeah we've, we've seen a lot of bears um but luckily our bears are really scared of people so as soon as you make any noise they usually run away or i change direction and run away from them because like any wildlife, when you're on the trails, if you're on dirt trails, oftentimes we're in their backyard rather than them being our backyard. Yeah. I try to remember that and think about like, that's why they get aggressive sometimes. So yeah. So that's bears. We have, uh, we have a lot of moose in our area as well. There was a moose that was living on one of the ski areas near Aspen this whole winter. And so during during one of our favorite cross-country ski races, um, it had to be rerouted because there was a moose living and they just didn't want any moose cross-country ski interactions. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Moose are pretty aggressive, aren't they? They are. They are, and they're kind of dumb, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so moose, are, moose can be really scary. And, uh, and moose actually, so moose are in different pockets in the U.S. There are moose, right? There are a lot of moose in the Northeast, up in Maine and in New Hampshire and, and Vermont. And then there are moose in Colorado, but some of those moose uh, got reintroduced. So some of the populations are growing now, whereas before they were smaller, there are a lot of moose up in like Wyoming, up by the Tetons in that area. One of the other things I would always say is like, know what animals are in your area, or if you're visiting an area, just, just get to know it and know what animals are there. Yeah. And like, especially for moose, some of the moose are like, are, will be very docile, wouldn't attack you, will run the other way. And then some moose are going to like, run right at you. Stand the ground. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Okay. So, so Sarah, you're talking about the, the moose and um, what about like coyotes and foxes? Have you seen those on the trails or? Yes, for sure. So coyotes, I, I would say urban coyotes are very frequent now. So I'm assuming a lot of your listeners have seen coyotes on the trail. Um, even I, like where we lived in California, there were coyotes on my street. Yeah, me too. I've never yes. seen a coyote. I'm waiting for one. I've heard them before here and they are in this area, but I've never seen one. I don't know if I want to, <laughs> to be honest. Seem, those seem, I mean, there are times because they travel in packs, right? I forgot, like when I used to be running quite a bit there, you definitely see packs of coyotes Ooh. and they kind of freak me out a little bit. I won't lie. Yeah, I think a pack of coyotes can be a little scary. And I've definitely run into like three coyotes. There were these three brother coyotes that lived near us in Colorado that they were very, very healthy. And I did not, when I <laughs> would get on the trail and I would see them, I would be like, okay, I'm just going to give them five minutes to disperse. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, coyotes are not going to attack a person usually because 
coyotes want to eat small rodents and maybe bunnies and things like that. But coyotes in some of the more urban areas get used to eating uh, cats and small dogs. Um, So if you're walking your dog and there are aggressive coyotes around, you really do want to go the other way. You want to make sure that you leash your dog and try not to get in between uh, coyotes and their prey or coyotes and other coyotes because you don't want to get surrounded by a pack. I think foxes tend to be more solitary and they are way and and less scary. Um, (laughs) I've seen a ton of foxes on the trail and usually foxes are really run from humans. I know there are some foxes that live near us in Colorado that people have habituated to feeding Um, so I'm not sure. Yeah, that might be a problem in other places as well. Foxes love to eat eggs. So there are humans that think that, oh, like, oh, this little foxy looks so skinny and he looks so smart. Maybe I'll give him an egg. But actually, that's probably the worst thing that you can do for the fox because it it needs to be able to live on its own, not fed by humans. Um, and then they get really, they're, they're very smart. They know to go up to humans to beg if they're habituated to people. So yeah, so, and if you see them on the trail, I think usually making some noise will scatter a fox. We had one very friendly fox in our neighborhood that, that, that was following my husband up a trail during the winter when he was on skis. And he just, the fox kept going with him and my husband had to make a ton of noise and um, actually hit the snow with his ski pole to get the fox to go away. So got to do whatever it takes. Yeah. yeah. I like seeing foxes from a distance. Like they're so pretty and elegant when they're far away, but I don't like seeing them very close. They're definitely wily, as you say about foxes and they can, you know, pounce. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for more wildlife stories. We'll be right back. So Sarah, you do have two kids and you mentioned to us from an early age, you taught them what to do when you see an animal on the trail. So can you share some of those safety rules that you and your family abide by? For sure. Um, My kids, uh, we have hiked with them since like we carried them in the ergo. So they've been hiking miles and miles since like the baby carrier in the ergo. And now they're 12 and my children are 12 and 14. And they actually asked us to go hiking now, which is amazing. Reversal of fortune. Mm-hmm. That's that you, you've done something well. Good job. <laughs> right. Exactly. So yeah, we have taught them what to do in the event of seeing wildlife. Um, the biggest things as we've talked about before are bears, which again, you make noise, uh, make yourself look big. And then we also practice bear safety on the trail, like using a bear canister, um, not having scented materials. Uh, We luckily have never been like raided by bears when we've been camping. So we've been lucky on that side. And then moose, my kids know, know to like avoid moose at all costs because they can be kind of aggressive. So we had a mom and a baby moose that liked to hang out in the pond behind our house. And whenever those moose were out, our children were inside. And then on the trail, they know to like make noise and um, you can actually hide from moose because again, moose are kind of dumb. So (laughs) if, and you don't want to try to outrun a moose because they're very fast, but you can like dive behind a tree and hide. And apparently the moose will not know where you are and keep going. 
Um, So my kids know how to do that. One of our most exciting wildlife encounters uh, was with my kids. Uh, We were in Chile and we were hiking, uh, looking for mountain lions. You were looking for them. We were because my husband is on the worldwide search for all of the wildcat species in the wild. And so we were down in um, Patagonia uh, looking for mountain lions and we spotted one and he was a huge, healthy, gorgeous male puma and he looked directly at me and I was with my two children and up ahead, my husband was up ahead and there they had seen an eagle. So they had like gone ahead to look at this eagle. And so he was separated from us and the kids were right near me. And I, and I, and they knew if we saw a mountain lion, you get close to mom and you make yourself look big and you make noise. And mm-hmm. they both looked at the cat the cat looked at them and they ran right at me. And my son like literally crawled up me. He was probably seven at the time or so till I was holding him. And then uh, the mountain lion looked at us and then sauntered away because he really had no interest in us. But I was, huh. we were very pleased because I was like, oh, everything we've taught you guys, <laughs> you're going to follow. Yeah. Wait, hold on one second. Let's do a quick detour. I love that. So your husband's looking for all the, what's he looking for? All the cats, the wild cats? Yes. Yeah. So uh, my husband is an avid bird watcher and he also, uh, and he's an average, he's an avid uh, like wildlife watcher. Um, And so a couple years ago, he decided that he wants to see all of the wild cats. There are 45 or so species of cats in the world. And not a lot of people get to see all of them because cats can be really elusive. Um, But it's been a really fun thing for our family, like as a diversion, because, you know, like the kids know that dad's looking for the cats and we get to go to really cool places and travel to different places to go look for cats. What is one of the more elusive ones that he hasn't seen? Like a cheetah, I imagine, or tiger? Uh, no, she, so like the big cats are actually pretty easy to see. Like in, uh, in Africa, you can see like the big cats, like the cheetah and the leopard and the lion, um, are all pretty easy to see. And actually tigers in India are pretty easy to see. I've, we have, I have seen all of those cats. Um, the ones that get really hard are the small jungle cats that live in um like central and south america or like we spent let's see we spent six days uh in the high andes in chile um um and ecuador this year and it was let's see we we spent six days looking for the andean mountain cat um who is like just the coolest looking little cat very fluffy with a big fluffy tail but they're really hard to find. And we were like hiking 10 miles a day above 14,000 feet and we didn't get to see it the whole time. Oh, what a bummer. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Wow. So yeah, there's some of those too. You have to go back, I guess, or your husband has to go back. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let him yeah. go back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so wait, so I'm just, uh, I promise this won't turn into a podcast about wildcats, but like, <laughs> do you have a guide with you? Because I mean, they are so loose, like, you know, cats don't want to be found as a rule. Is that's my, you know, experience with my, my my feline house cats, right? Like, so how do you go looking for them? Yes, 
Yes. So usually, so a guide, yes, in every um, different habitat, you know, because, because the local person knows the, 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 the like terrain and will know where a cat is the best. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. And there nice. are like, there is a whole um, uh, community of people like mammal watchers um, that share information about guides and about how to see these cats and where best to see them. Um, okay. Because there are also people in the world who want to see, you know, like all the dogs in the world or all the whales in the world. And they have a, a small community of people that that like their specific type yeah, of mammal. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> well, you talked earlier, Sarah, um, for a minute about, um, you know, telling your kids that we are in their backyard versus they are in ours, you know, and I think that, you know, I always think about that when I'm out hiking, like I see, you know, when I see scat on the trail or like, a, you know, I'm looking for a trail and it turns out to be like a, a deer path or something like that, or I see, you know, like a nest that they have made or like their bed. And just talk a little bit more about that, because I do think like sometimes you feel like, well, the trail is made here. So, you know, there shouldn't be any animals around. But in fact, the trail makes life easier for them, too. Right. Yes, for sure. Trail makes it it's easier for like a large animal to walk on a trail than through all of the brush. So a lot of times they are on, on the trail. The bear population in the West, uh, in the mountain West has uh, increased like exponentially over the past couple of years because of humans, because people leave trash around um, and then the bears eat it and then they become habituated to it. Or it just makes it so that during food scarcity, they have something to eat. So humans do influence like what's going on with the wildlife and i i do like to be mindful of that we are in their backyard my husband and i were once camping up in canada i believe it was at waterton lakes national park which is right near glacier national park mm-hmm. and the way it is the campground was surrounded by an electric fence it was because all the bears and they have like really large grizzly bears there yeah. and they're they're keeping the humans in and not really keeping the bears out it was really about about containing the humans and i think that was a nice way of of putting it it's like mm-hmm. we are guests in their backyard um and we should treat ourselves as such and that goes to my like you wear bright colors you make a lot of noise because you never want to sneak up on an animal (laughs) you know you want to you if you're going to see an animal um you want to see it and you want it to see you um there's never a good scenario that says like sneak up behind a a large elk buck right (laughs) it's like no that's not gonna be a good outcome right so Sarah, you have had times where you and your running buddies have had to wait out a bear, right? How close have you been in those moments and how long have you actually had to wait? Let's see. Well, I was talking about Bear Alley. So there are a lot of bears, particularly in the fall. And sometimes the bears just don't want to move. Like if they're in a really good service berry patch, I have stood and waited for like 10, 15 minutes or so and then been like, well, I'm not going to go on this trail anymore. Um, so yeah. And I, and a lot of times I'll just, I'll turn around and do a loop the other way often for running or for, for hiking just because, you know, the trail is always going to be there. 
the bear might not always be there or the moose isn't always going to be there or whatever. So um, you can always come back and do it another time. Yeah. My feeling on it. Let's let's circle back to safety for one more second. So you talked about bringing bear spray. Do you bring like a whistle, any other equipment? And then also talk about safety during hunting season as a runner, as a trail runner. Yeah. So um, I actually don't use, we don't, I don't carry bear spray, but that's because where the bears where I live are not, are um, black bears. And so I know that they're not going to uh, fall me to death like a grizzly bear. I think that bear spray is warranted if you're like in Montana, Wyoming, where there are grizzlies or Alaska for sure. But, but I don't necessarily bring bear spray. Um, my husband actually had an incident where bear spray opened on him, accidentally discharged. And oh, no. so oh gosh! I, I don't. I don't. Yeah, and actually, we had that recently in our car. So oh, I no. don't love. We don't love bear spray always. Yeah, but if you're in a place or if you're nervous, I think that it's a great tool to have to make yourself feel better. I don't carry much when I run, but if I run. In a wilderness area, particularly like doing trails, we have a Garmin inReach, um, one of those GPS devices that I think that anyone who's going in the deep backcountry these days should have one. I cannot tell you how many search and rescue things were started from have someone having a Garmin in reach. Remind us what that mm-hmm. is because it's not a, it's not a regular Garmin, right? <laughs> I was going to say is that it is probably not a regular thing that but like if you're an urban runner, you definitely wouldn't know about it. Um, but they are uh, satellite devices. They're tiny. They're like the size of, there, there are multiple on the market, but the Garmin in reach is probably the most common these days. It's about the same size as like your, I AirPod uh, case. Okay. Um, it's a little bit larger than that. And what it can do is it can send a SOS uh, satellite um, signal signal. Yeah. To say that you are hurt. It also has the ability to uh, connect wirelessly with your phone. So then you can send actual messages as well. So if you sent an SOS, then like search and rescue, or you can, you send a, it's to 911 in anywhere, they will be able to message back to you because where I live, it's very, there are a lot of remote trails and there are a lot of people who get in trouble with altitude and things like that. And if you are incapacitated in any way, it's a, it is a easy way to press a button and get a response. We, I, like my husband and I use it when we're anytime we're solo on trails. Like if I go on runs with friends, even I went on a run with two other friends that's a 20 mile loop. So you're going pretty far back in the backcountry, and the, all of the husbands asked us to bring the inReach so that we could send a message over every pass that we went over just so they knew we were safe. We didn't get struck by lightning. No one was hurt. Everyone had enough food, that kind of thing. The other safety thing around that I, we like to bring uh, for trail running is a water filter. In particular, Katahdin makes this uh, bottle called the Be Free that is literally the size of like a small water bottle and it has a little water filter on the top. And since Giardia is prevalent in our area, um, I don't want to drink just the water straight from any water source. And it is just the greatest peace of mind for knowing that you'll have clean water if you got stuck on a trail overnight, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So all of those things. And then in terms of like 
I don't always run with uh, polls, but I think polls are great tools. And so, and that can be a tool if you're having like a wildlife encounter and you need some safety <laughs> measure, you can knock your poles together. They make noise. You can try to like flick at someone, if, if some animal, if it had, you know, if you're worried about it. Um, yeah, there you go. That's some safety. Um, with hunting season, isn't we're not quite there yet, but I know that's something that you and your in your running community it's a big concern. So, do you have any safety precautions that you take during hunting season? For sure, I definitely uh, take precautions during hunting season because there are multiple seasons of hunting, at least where I live. And I think it's a really good thing to know for all trail runners, what are the hunting regulations in your area and then what are the seasons? And then buy a bright hat. That's my biggest recommendation. A bright hat and wear bright clothes. Like I have a couple tank tops that are red and like orange and crazy bright colors. And I always wear those during hunting season. And I'm also more likely to go with a friend. You know, it's always safer when you have a friend on the trail because then you're talking. So then the bears will know that you're there. And then for hunting wise, it just makes it look like you're a human, not a um, elk or a deer. But the trail that like leaves from my backyard, it goes across land that uh, you can get a hunting permit on. And they there, I have had a number of hunters who I will pass on the trail when I'm running. Um, and I just think, oh my gosh, I'm just out of my trail run. Mm-hmm. And in your backyard, you like, in yeah. my backyard, mm-hmm. right? And like, oh, do you really need to hunt the elk here? So, but they, if they're permitted, they're allowed to be there. Just wear bright colors, make noise. Nice, nice. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. You've been really helpful and it's been fun to hear all the stories of, of wildlife and wild cats and all the things. <laughs> talk about wildlife any day because we seek it out as, as much as I d- am deterred by it, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Sarah. No problem. We know many of you have had your share of animal encounters that have happened on the run or while hiking. So here are some tales from the trails from our very own AMR community. So first up, we have Darlene, who says, I was running around a pond in Florida, and she says, I know there are alligators, and I keep an eye out. After my third or so lap around the pond, an older gentleman came out of his home and yelled at me. He was quite animated, and I was a bit taken aback because I continued to jump over a tree root. The tree root I was jumping over was actually an alligator's tail. (laughs) Glad you're okay, Darlene. That is terrifying. That is a little terrifying, but I, and I like that the man was concerned for you. Yes. <laughs> All right. So Lexi lives in very rural North Dakota, and she no longer runs from her house outside the middle of the day because a badger lives near their, her house. She says the first encounter occurred in the late evening. I saw its eyes in the ditch on the right side of the road and stopped about 400 meters away. It crossed the road to the other side, but then came back on the road, looked at me, and then started running toward me. <sighs> Badgers are not kind animals. Uh, I will say that. <laughs> um, so she said, I ran the fastest half mile of my life back to my house without looking back. My husband went out with a gun, but he couldn't find it. I stuck to the treadmill for months, but figured after about a year it was safe again. My first run back out, the badger was back. It didn't charge me this time, but it did take an aggressive stance on the road. And badgers, she said, since badgers can run 16 to 19 miles an hour, and she can't, <laughs> not, not many of us can, Lexi. She now drives to town to run in the morning and the evenings. 
Good oh call. <laughs> that badger uh, rules the road. The standoff with the badger in the street. I mean, yeah, you got to give the badger that one because there's no point in trying to to stay, stand your ground against a badger, which no, is another sure. animal I've never seen in the wild. So maybe I got to take a trip out to, is it North Dakota? South it was Dakota? North Dakota. North yes. Dakota yeah. to see a badger. So next up, we have Kristen who says, a few of my friends jokingly call me Cinderella because animals always manage to find me, which I love. (laughs) I've come across everything from rattlesnakes to porcupines, and usually we have an easy encounter, but a few years ago, I was running through a park when a chipmunk started running along next to me. I was loving it, thinking how peaceful and quaint a scene it was. And it was until the moment a giant hawk swooped down right in front of me, grabbed my little chipmunk buddy, flew him up to the trail above, and tore him to shreds. The hawk flew really close across my path, and I had to stop so fast that it set off the emergency contact on my Garmin for the first time. I was (laughs) flustered and upset, and I couldn't figure out how to stop it. So I called my husband to tell him to ignore the message. The poor guy got a very confusing call from his blubbering wife, sobbing and yelling about a dead chipmunk friend. (laughs) That is quite the run to remember, Kristen. I mean, that is a scene straight out of a, I don't know, like a Cinderella movie gone bad. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. she And she did a great job describing it. I love that she set off her garment and it wasn't the one that Sarah was talking about. It was just her emergency contact. That's great. Yeah. Well, yes. So let's end this episode on a sweet note after we can leave the bears and the attacking owls and the alligators and the moose and everyone behind um, because Kimberly found an abandoned four-week-old kitten on her run, Kimberly says, and she came home with me to her forever home. Awesome. That is so sweet. That is probably one of my goals in life is to go find an abandoned kitten or puppy and just say, we have to keep them, right? Because like I found, (laughs) never happened, but yes. Life goals, life goals, I hear Yes. So that is very sweet. And let's hope that everybody's animal encounters in the future are of the cuddly and sweet kind. But if you do happen to have a scary animal encounter, hopefully this will, podcast will, you know, remind you how to stay safe on the trails. We wanted to give you a heads up about Fall Into Fitness, our new program that starts September 11th. We took all your feedback and created a brand new six-week program that incorporates everything you need to be a well-rounded, consistent athlete. Engaging cardio workouts, effective strength routines that include weights, we know weights are important, and accessible mobility exercises. If you're looking for structure, momentum, camaraderie, and a way to move in your body that feels easier, lighter, more pain-free as we head into the fall, then this is your program. Registration is going to open on August 28th, so be looking for that. Our podcast today was produced by Barry Medore of Fire on the Bluff in St. Paul, Minnesota. <laughs>